You know, when this video was created, we did not anticipate that with the sound of the wind that we would be um, ushering in some even colder weather than we experienced this past week. I walked outside my house this morning and went, oh, I did not know that this was supposed to be happening this morning. But we are in winter months, and we are starting to feel that with the wind chill outside and some of the darker nights. And it began to remind me of a village I heard of several years ago. This village is in Norway. At the bottom of a river valley that is bordered by the slopes of mountains is a village in Norway outside of the city of Oslo. It was created over 100 years ago and was chosen for its location because it provided cheap hydroelectric power in order to build a new fertilizer plant. This was the perfect place and was going to be great for the economy. There was just one problem. The valley was so low and the mountains were so steep that sunlight was minimal. In fact, over half of the year had almost no sunlight. The village of people who had come to this area for job opportunities and had created a village had almost no sunlight for over half of the year. As you can imagine, it created an atmosphere and a community that may have been described with doom and gloom. Could you imagine even on our darker days, even on our seasons where the, the sun goes down earlier and we have less sunlight, could you imagine going over half of the year with no sunlight? This village was a community of people who did not interact with each other, a community of people that were solitary and frustrated, depressed, and in despair, and maybe even doom and gloom. It sounds a lot like the story of a man that we meet and that we are talking about this season of Advent in the story, the classic story, the Christmas carol, a Christmas carol. We meet up with a man named Ebenezer Scrooge who is described by his doom and gloom. He is described as a solitary man and a selfish man, a man that seems to have somehow become a person with very little hope, no joy, very little generosity, and not even a glimpse of love in his life. Somebody who could be described as doom and gloom, and yet a Christmas carol is a classic story that we read during the holiday season. Just right there next to the birth of Jesus and the story that we find in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2 is a Christmas carol. We hear it in Charles Dickens' words, the classic book that was written. But then there have been all of these movie adaptations, too, of Ebenezer, Ebenezer Scrooge and the Christmas Carol. The first being a black and white picture in 1901. Then we get one in the 1950s. Maybe the most familiar one is George C. Scott in 1984. Or if you are of a younger generation like myself, maybe your first encounter with Ebenezer Scrooge was more through a cartoon, maybe through the Muppets or through Mickey Mouse. We had to explain to one of our staff members that, that Scrooge, Ebenezer Scrooge, his name was not actually Mick Scrooge. 
It was just Scrooge because he had seen a Disney version of it where they were ducks. Now, this story is so incredibly permanent in our culture and in our society. And so you may think that you know it, just like we may think every year when we come to Advent, that we know the story of Christ's birth. We've heard it over and over again. We know about the shepherds. We know about Mary and Joseph. We know about the angels. We know about the wise men. We've heard this over and over again. What could it possibly give to us that could be new? Well, we are going to dive deep into the story of A Christmas Carol, and I invite you to either read it or listen to the words of Charles Dickens on your phone or to watch one of the classic movies or maybe one of the not-so-classic movies. You can, either wa- you can even watch some more um, adaptations like Scrooged or Spirited that came out this last year that are some funny spins on the classic tale. But as we walk through this story, what we find is not only the familiar, but the unfamiliar. What we find is not just the tradition. What we find is the story that meets us once again with something that we need to hear. Something we maybe have heard before, but something that we maybe have also forgotten over the years. So Scrooge, as we know in the Christmas Carol, is visited by three ghosts. So it's fitting for our Advent season and our sermon series that we look at those three ghosts, the past, the present, and the future. Today we are looking at Scrooge's encounter with the ghost of Christmas past. We meet Scrooge on Christmas Eve where we find him as a man who is truly a grump solitary and selfish and angry. He is a character that defines the worst of humanity. He is a depiction of all of the things that are horrible in us. He is encountering his business partner at the very beginning of the book who had died several, t- several years beforehand. Now his business partner comes to see him And tells him this morning, Scrooge, if you do not turn your life around, things do not look good for you. And his business partner initiates visits from three different ghosts. And the first is the ghost of Christmas past. What we find with Scrooge in his past is not only of Scrooge's adulthood past, but of his childhood We read and we see the story of Scrooge and we begin to see an image of maybe why he is the way he is. His childhood was a childhood that was filled with poverty and deprivation. His childhood was one that was surrounded in darkness and doom and gloom. And maybe he became the way he is because he learned to survive that way. Maybe because of the darkness and the deprivation and the poverty that he experienced in his own childhood, he had to learn to survive. And the only way he thought he could survive was by acting a certain way, was by repeating some of the same things he experienced himself in childhood. So we're going to pause with the Christmas carol for just a minute and turn to our scripture Our scripture today comes from Isaiah 9. It comes from a prophet that is talking to a group of people who are stuck in doom and gloom. They're stuck in their past and in their past choices and in their past brokenness. 
The Israelite people have been conquered over and over again. They have had setback after setback. They have been in exile. They've been taken out of exile. They've been refugees. They've been in all of these different places with no sense of home and really no sense of hope. And during this time, prophets come along to give the people of God a sense of hope, a glimmer of hope in the midst of their doom and gloom, in the midst of their despair, in the midst of their past that says nothing will change, nothing will be different. This is just the way it is. And if you want to survive, you better get used to it. The prophet Isaiah comes in the midst of this type of doom and gloom and offers a message to the people who have uncertainty and disruption And it's a message that later would be seen as a prediction because it talks about the birth of Christ and the hope that comes from Messiah. You see, this prophet talks about a broken past that may not define their future, a future that may look different than all the years that have come before it. So we read just these three verses today in Isaiah 9, starting in verse 2. It says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time onward and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of the hosts of the Lord of hosts will do this. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. The prophet Isaiah comes not with this sweet word of comfort, but instead with this proclamation. We sing all of these sweet songs around Christmas and around Advent, but can you imagine the prophet Isaiah in the midst of their exhaustion and depression and all of the Days and nights that just feel never-ending and painful, coming in with a word and a shout of proclamation that things are about to be different. That just because their past has looked a certain way doesn't mean that their future has to look the same way. This same disruption is what we find in the story of Scrooge in A Christmas Carol. The ghost of Christmas past comes to Scrooge and disrupts his life, disrupts his understanding of what his future could look like or even his present could look like by giving him a glimpse of his past. You see, the prophet Isaiah today is giving us a glimpse of hope, the possibility of a new future to a people who are so weary. But the past is a tricky thing. It is a thing that shapes us. 
You know, the things that we do, the traditions that we hold, the patterns and the mannerisms of our lives do not just appear overnight. You could say that it is nature versus nurture, but so much of what we do and who we are is patterned by the things that we have learned to do. It is patterned by our past. The past is a tricky thing because we find ourselves saying things like, well, this is the way we have always done it. Did you find yourself saying that this week? Have any Thanksgiving traditions that you could not disrupt? In our family, it is always around the turkey. We, since I was a child, always buy a Greenberg smoked turkey based in Tyler's, Texas, was on Oprah's favorites list for more than one a year, and it is a delicious turkey, to the point that it was not until I was in high school, and one year we went to a different family's house for Thanksgiving that I actually didn't know that turkey tasted different. I thought all turkey tasted like the Greenberg smoked turkey because that was what we always had. And this year, the same was true. This is just what we do. This is the way we do things. We will have a Greenberg turkey on Thanksgiving. But what I find to be a little bit difficult and what I find in our own families and in our own lives and relationships is the trickiness that comes from us saying, this is the way we do things. And when that transitions into, well, that's just how they are. Have you found yourself saying that about a family member or a relationship? Someone that maybe has hurt you or someone who you struggle with and you hear that phrase, well, that's just the way they are. As if there is no hope for them to change or for your relationship or dynamic to be any different. The past has already defined the future. That is just the way they are. I wonder today in this Advent season, in my own life, how to keep from having that be said and true about me. You see, because what we do in the Advent season is we do all of this preparing and all of this tradition that is all a part of our past, but it is in anticipation and an expectation of the future, and not just of the future, but for Advent, for the people who follow Jesus Christ, it is of a future that must and does look different. So for us as Christians, the tension for us is both to live into that tradition and to prepare, but to let our preparation be about things being different. To let our preparation be about the coming of Christ. My question for us today is, what do we do and how do we prepare for things to be different? In our preparation only out, is our preparation only out of tradition, or do we expect in this season for the coming of Christ to change us in some way? The prophet Isaiah was talking to a group of people who needed a change. 
He was talking to a group of people who had a past that was defining them, a past of brokenness and exile, a past where they were both broken and had sinned and turned away from God and had also felt the struggle of feeling distanced from God. And in the midst of that, Isaiah the prophet comes and proclaims, your past does not have to define your future. And in fact, your future is not only going to change you and your circumstances, but it is going to change the world. Do we expect for our preparation this year to change anything about us? It changed something for Ebenezer Scrooge. As he looked at his past, as he looked at the horrors of his childhood, as he looked at the things that caused him pain and struggle, what the ghost of Christmas past also showed him was glimpses of light and glimpses of hope. You see, because in the midst of that past that was difficult, there was also a sister who loved him and who took care of him. There was also a boss who he apprenticed under that showed him grace and generosity that helped him learn. There was even a woman that he had grown to love, that he was devoted to, who ended up leaving him because he was more focused on the things around him and the survival around him and the doom and gloom around him rather than on a bigger picture. She wanted things to be different. She wanted for Scrooge to not be defined by his past, but instead have a future that could be different. This Advent season, things could actually change for us. Now, I'm not trying to rock your boat. I'm not asking you to change your traditions, and I'm not asking you to do things that are going to push you too outside of your comfort zone. But I do think that question for us this morning is so important. How does your preparation, all the things that are tradition and things we do, because that's what we do, how are they preparing you this year for something to change? For the coming of Christ into the world to change you because it changed the world. That's what we sing about. That's what we read about in the birth of Christ that's so familiar to us is a change that rocked the world, a change that changed everything and certainly changed the future. Well, that village in Norway of doom and gloom had a little bit of hope and a glimmer of hope as well. You see, there was a group of people that came along who said, I think we can provide a little bit of change. What if we used some mirrors at the top of the mountain and pointed them down so that the mirrors reflected the sunlight down into the valley where the village was? Now, this caused a very startling change. Just as I couldn't imagine going that long without sunlight, I also cannot imagine having sunlight all of a sudden be bursting through. It's like moving a, leaving a movie theater after a three-hour movie and walking outside and the light just hitting you. There was change. There was a startling change. But do you know what that change did? It changed the people. 
It changed the community. A community of people who kept to themselves, who were solitary, who found themselves very depressed and negative most times, began to create a community of something that had substance, something different. They began to gather together. The disposition of the entire town changed. People started to gather in new ways because they could. They began to see things differently because of the light that was now reflecting on them. Maybe the change that we should expect this year for us has to do with our calling to reflect the light of the coming of Christ. Where we pour into one another this hope that Christ's coming changes things for us. My hope and my prayer for you as you start this Advent season, no matter how hard the candle is to light, no matter how frustrating your last week has been or how joyful it's been, no matter how many times you may catch yourself saying, this is the way we do things, that you would, in the back of your mind, in the front of your mind, in every moment of this season, Remind yourselves to be the reflection of Christ's light in this world. The people in darkness have seen a great light. Thanks be to God. Amen.